Hello and welcome to Sense in the City. I'm Ruby Bookaboo, the co-founder and your Sydney host, and I'll be taking you on some sensory adventures in and around the Emerald City. Today I catch up with the talented and wildly entertaining singer and performer Krista Hughes. Krista reminisces about the cicadas, honeysuckle, jazz and chocolate roosters of her childhood, shares her favourite spots for ocean swims and discusses the best live music venues in Sydney before and hopefully after lockdown. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Last night when I was cooking, I thought I should have a listen to a bit of Krista and I had a really good night. We're hopefully near the end of this lockdown and we've been inside for quite some time. And I felt like I was out. It reminded me of being out at this eagle tent and out and having oh, wild nights out in cabarets. And, uh, I kind it, of almost avoid stuff that reminds me of that because I just get a bit too nostalgic. But, you know, there's a bit of it. It's like, yay, got to do it. But then there's a bit of me go, do I get to do it again? Obviously, I'm a dad. He's dead. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is funny. <laughs> just so beyond. I'm still grasping the concept. How have you been going with the the lockdown? Admittedly, a lot of me actually rather likes lockdown. It's like I, I don't mind being a bit of a hermit. People might say, gee, you must really miss performing. It's like, not really. I can make buying a bottle of milk at the shop a performance. Though. Right, exactly. And <laughs> like having dinner and dancing around the lounge room or something, just wear yeah, your yeah, yeah. Wear I can make anything a performance and I don't need a standing ovation. <laughs> What's made me very happy during this time is I'm very happy just entertaining myself. Yeah, I found <laughs> and not that also. To entertain anyone else. Mm. <laughs> and you know what's good? I think I'm entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I grew up in the bush and we had no problem entertaining ourselves. I actually don't mind it, but you know, as I said, I'm, I'm very, very privileged. I live in a lovely neighbourhood, and, and you can go swimming. I'm in a nice setup. You know, I know there's people in other situations that must be horrendous, and they can't wait to get oh. out. So mm. I, I say that jokingly, but uh, obviously, you know, I'm in a very lucky position. Um, yeah. you're in Vaucluse, so you're near the beach. Yeah, I'm in Vaucluse, and that's the beauty of living in Sydney. There's so many places to swim. You've been able to go and every swim day when I, every day when I can. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so lovely. It, obviously, it's physically very good for me, but it's. I've always thought it'd be nice to meditate, and I've always loved the concept of meditation, but I can't do it. As soon as someone says, sit down and empty your mind, suddenly I just fill my mind with more clutter. It's like, oh shit, I should be doing my tax return. I didn't return that email. I feel really bad about this. And then I start to think about shit things I've done in life. And it's oh. like, this is not very, um, <laughs> this is not very relaxing or meditative. I mean, I'm meditating, but I think I'm meditating on all the negatives rather than the positives. Apparently it's about emptying your brain. And if I do that and just kind of swim and get this lovely breathing pattern, I'm paying attention to things. I don't completely empty my brain. It's like, and you'll it's drown. Like, oh, look how the sand changes here, and look how it gets dark here, and it gets cooler here, and this lovely seaweed here, and check out the fish there. So it's there, but I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about other things around me. So I find that that's a far better way to meditate. What are your favourite beaches to swim at? Okay, my favourite harbour beach, without a doubt, is, well, it's, people call it Nielsen Beach, but it's actually Nielsen Park, and the beach attached to it is called Shark Bay. And I guess I don't like to use the word Shark Bay because <laughs> it puts people off. Having said that, from September through to May, there is a shark net there. Okay, so why well, I like Shark Bay so much, we often get southerly busters in Sydney, which is it's awful wind. It's totally protected from that. And in summer, facing the north, it, later, if you can go for a very late swim and still be in the light and see this lovely view of the harbour. 
it's really quite spectacular. And then mm. there's the, the shark net around. And what I love the most about the shark net is um, uh, uh, the longer the shark net stays, the uh, more seagrass and weed grows along. That's where all the fish hang out because they all mm. eat the food that's um, starting to grow off the nets. One time I did find myself in a bit of strife as <laughs> oh, I was no. swimming along the net. And I just thought, oh, that looked like a big dead fish. And I kept swimming. Then a bit of me went, I'll go back and look. And it was a um, like a Port Jackson Bay shark. By the way, my dad's first band was called the Port Jackson Jazz Band. But Port Jackson mm. sharks are, they're not very big sharks. Yeah, you they've still got teeth. bump into one in a dark alley. No, no. But I bumped into one one afternoon in the net. I did a duck dive to try to pull it out. But to pull it out, it, it was going to rip against its gills the opposite way. And one of its fins was stuck. And then I took a, another breath and then it was getting really aggro. I'm like, I'm trapped and now this person's attacking me. I wasn't. Anyway, after about 20 duck dives, I eventually got it out and it went out. And then I didn't finish my swim. I just kind of did breaststroke back to shore. It's the most exhausting swim I've ever had. But the weird thing was, as soon as I got home, I really wanted to have fish and chips. And most <laughs> fish and chips is made out of sharks. So I saved a shark, but then went and ate its mother. <laughs> You're dangerous and I'm falling. What I love about swimming at Clavelli, that's my favourite. I think that's my favourite as far as visuals go. Once again, there's gropers there. There's so much sea life there. Used to be a couple of octopuses. Mm. Octopi, I think is a word. That lived there um, and many other fish. And uh, I love along North Bondi, that, swimming along that cliff. And I love the bogey hole at, at Bronte at, at high tide mm. and swimming across that bay. So, yeah, they're my, my favourite um, ocean beaches. So I wanted to uh, go back a bit in time to talk a little bit about the senses, a few snapshots of your childhood and memories from your childhood through the senses. I remember when I was a little girl waking up um, in the same suburb that I live in now, in Vaucluse, and there were some mornings that this, in summer that the cicadas, they were just so loud, they would not only wake you up, but it'd just be these roaring cicadas that would go on for all day into the night. And then eventually at sunset, they would settle. But throughout the day, it was just this crazy cacophony of cicadas. So not only did it happen every summer, but I remember because you'd find cicada shells and you'd sort of, you could pin them on you. They, they worked like badges. And they're really... Little brooch. Sometimes, and, uh, yeah, a lovely brooch. Um, I, I remember cicadas. <laughs> uh, for me, it, it reminds me of the end of school and the beginning of summer holiday. Yeah, right. Mm. And the smell, the smell that goes with that is jasmine. There was always jasmine in the garden. Um, and that beautiful scent of jasmine, which is so such a strong scent and Divine. such a beautiful scent. And especially in the evening, because we get the sea breeze. So we'd open up the windows and the sea breeze would come in, you know, with all these with this lovely uh, scent of jasmine. So the jasmine's still around. Um, that's in abundance. The cicadas I have not heard in this neighbourhood for a long time, but apparently they can live underground. They're referred to scientifically as nymphs. They Ooh. live underground as nymphs um, for 13 to 17 years before they reappear. The so life maybe, of a nymph. 
your next yeah, song. Yeah, there, there's some <laughs> crazy nymph magic going on just under the soil. And the other sound, of course, was um, a sound that I took for granted for years, which, of course, was my dad's record collection. Jazz music playing, he had, had a phenomenal record collection and it was just on constantly to the point I, I didn't even notice it most of the time. Um, mm. no, 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 I did. There were times that we did have favourite songs and things when we were young. It wasn't until I started going to friends' places when, you know, I guess I was in early primary school and I'd find it a bit weird, like, they don't play music. They listen to these awful things, but I found out it was called football. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this... These awful, dreary voices, and then this chat, mobs of men go, and then it's like, it was like, God, it was such an awful sound. And I was like, what is it? Then I'd look at the screen, it was just exactly what it sounded like. All these ugly looking blokes bumping into each other, and it's like, so who's your favorite jazz musician? Parramatta Eels! <laughs> Roosters! I was like, what are these eels and roosters? Then I got into football later because we had bubble gum that you could get and it came with football cards. And I wasn't really into the football cards, but, you know, when you try to want to fit in, I think it was Hubba Bubba or something, some sort of bubble yeah. gum, which yeah, bubble yeah. gum was enormous when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I remember you'd have competitions. At the end of the day, you'd have a whole pack in your mouth and blow bubbles this big and have locked jaw virtually for and the rest jaw of the night. And your jaw would be really sore, yeah. <laughs> That's a great sensory lockjaw from right. eating an entire bag of bubblegum. <laughs> obviously, the other sound also was actually your father playing. You obviously had a piano at home. Yep. And didn't yes. he call his memoir or one of his books Daddy's Practicing Again or something? What was that story? Yes. Well, I, I love that you bring this up. He was uh, the first jazz pianist to have a solo concert at the Opera House. I just now, watched it look, again he, today. Uh, it was so good. Oh well, there's that. Well, there's there's him on the construction site. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, there's that. that. Incredible. That's amazing. But then later, once it was all constructed, he got booked to play the concert hall. Uh huh. And I think he felt so like, wow, it's the concert hall. It's the grand piano. It's the opera house. He wanted to play a classical piece, and it doesn't read music. And he really wanted to play Eric Satie's Gymnopedie. Mm hmm. And uh, so he was getting piano lessons to play Gymnopedie. And he'd come home from the piano lesson and then just really practice it because he knew if he didn't, he had to, you know, learn it through the listening to it and physically doing it and not wow, getting any I didn't any know he didn't read music. No, he didn't read music. Wow. No, I so <laughs> he would practice this and once it got closer to concert time, he was doing it endlessly because it's a, quite a, you know, sort of, it's a very well-known piece. It requires a lot of um, delicacy, and um, which isn't normally his style. Because I was so used to the jazz music, I, I just didn't notice it. But when he played that piece and there was this slight pause before the audience, you know, at the end there was that nice pause, he takes his hands off and it was like, Daddy's practising again. And I just chirped <laughs> that out. It wasn't to be smart-ass or anything. It's that piece <laughs> that stuck forever because... It really stuck out from all the jazz music I'd heard before. Eric said his Gymnopedia, but he was a huge fan of that.
also let's quickly just mention the that clip where your father's playing at the yes you know, at the construction the of Sydney's most iconic building yeah. the opera house what's actually made history is him playing in on scaffolding with him wearing hard hats so ridiculous that we don't normally wear these silly hats but today due to health and safety regulations and he never paid attention to health and safety before but they've got these hard hats on so what's even funner i think to make it look <laughs> Sexy, they've got these nice ladies in construction hats sitting on the end of the piano. I thought they were going to start singing, those girls, but one of them's there. No, they, they just nod from side to side with construction hats One on. of them has it on and the other girl is thinking, I'm not messing up my hairdo for any safety and health. And she holds it like a bowler hat in like all that yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, I want my hair to look nice. Mm. <laughs> but also the clip is incredible because they're playing in, in the middle of this construction site, which yeah. turns into being the most iconic building in australia and, yes and there's shots of ferries going by and you can see the water and the yeah. construction work but you also see the skyline out. of sydney and it's so low yes like this is it really does seem like look like a country town what i used to love about the opera house and annoying about the opera house because i'd always ask but sure you can climb up the top and slide down the side because you know when you can, you want everything to be a roller coaster <laughs> or a slippery slide. And it's like, surely there must be a way to slide down the side. Like so Hugh Jackman quickly, did. Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With bad results. Yeah. <laughs> have you Funny performed at the Opera House? You must have. Lots of shows in the studio, in the Playhouse, in the Opera Theatre, not the Concert Hall. But Dad did, uh, when I p- piped up, Daddy's practising again, that was in the Concert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> And I've seen plenty. I saw Liza Minnelli in the concert hall. Oh, did you? Oh, my God, she was amazing. Wow. She was phenomenal. She did, as soon as she came out, she had one of those, you know how she was, those sort of like ponchoy tops and slightly flared slacks <laughs> and sequiny, but, you know, holstered or whatever. Thing. And she did that beautiful, fussy sort of move across stage and she started singing and she was hilarious and she had it and it was like, oh, my gosh. She was phenomenal. So it was that was one of the best concerts I've seen in the concert hall. Just quickly before I go into other venues, mm. there was another thing, um, an iconic building, a structure, is the first time I remember driving across the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And I remember mum saying, we're going over the Harbour Bridge, like we're going over the Harbour Bridge. It's like, we've done it before. We've never visited whatever the family mm. friends were. It's like, we went over the bridge. It's like, we went over the bridge. And as we were nearing the bridge, I thought we were going to drive up and over the, <laughs> over the top of the bridge. It was going to be like a roller coaster ride. And I'm holding my breath, getting so excited. We're getting really close. And it's like, geez, I don't think we're going to make it over the bridge. And um, we drove under the bridge. And I was really disappointed. It was like, we, we went under the bridge not over <laughs> it's like no Thomas, uh-huh. over the bridge years later i did do yeah. the bridge climb with mom's like now this is going over the bridge <laughs> it was just like hold on tight people because it's slightly windy day that day but um yeah it was beautiful but yeah. i really thought we were going to drive over the actual bridge so it'd be like this roller coaster this slow drive up and fang down the end Obviously, when you uh, got a little bit older, you would go to some of the gigs with your dad. So what venues do you remember in Sydney? I guess I was about 10 and uh, we went to Soup Plus. Yeah, yeah. And Soup Plus was a venue. It was um, in George Street, it was down the main drag of uh, the Sydney CBD. 
and you had to walk down the stairs. And was, there's always something when you go to a venue, you have to go down. There's something a bit extra, ooh, about it. And it felt so grown up and sophisticated. Mm. It was in the late seventies, you know, or early eighties when I first went there. So it's, it's, it's full of smoke, cigarette smoke, um, long dark wooden tables with these. Um, candles in red candle holders, a jazz band in the corner, people just, you know, sitting there smoking and eating and listening to jazz in a bar in a corner. It was just like, to me, it felt like the most grown up, sophisticated, amazing thing. Then sitting on the front table, it was like, that's dad play. Open up that window, let that bad air out. Who would, he was very beautiful. He'd make sure towards uh, during the night that um, he'd ask the three of us girls, me and my elder sister, Vash, and younger sister, Steph, what song he'd like us to play. I, I always, I think we always ended up choosing um, Fat Swallows, Fat Swallow compositions that he he could do very well with his band. And uh, but that was also in, in everyone in the first place ended up singing publicly at, and it was performed mm. with Dad at, at Sweet Plus. I sang a couple of Bessie Smith songs or something, and played a bit of guitar and sung with him and it was a uh, it was exhilarating and also terrifying because it's that weird thing of uh you know because getting up and doing a school play or, or singing in front of schoolmates is one thing but it's like i'm doing it in a grown-up atmosphere this yeah. is legitimate <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately that place doesn't exist anymore turned into a nike I shop or something <laughs> yeah i remember soup class i think my parents used to go there and then i went and in probably like 99 or something, went and played there with um, Brad Childs. You know Brad Childs? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that was one of the first venues that I went and tapped at and it seemed super cool and, yeah. It and was, though. The other sense that we didn't mention about your childhood, what about tastes? When I was a kid, I loved Milo milkshakes and crumpets with butter. They were not my main diet, obviously. They were <laughs> treats in the afternoon. My favourite birthday meal uh, that mum would make would be pizza. Um, and she would, it was nice, thin crust pizza. Yeah, and she'd only make way to all go. The dough and everything. And she'd make a chocolate rousse, which is similar to chocolate mousse, <laughs> but richer. <laughs> and had these bizarre sort of sugary shortcake things around them. I'll have to find out exactly what it was. But every birthday was definitely mum's chocolate rousse. Oh, the other flavour I remember is coming home from school and sucking honeysuckles. Oh, yeah, yum. Yeah, there's honeysuckles. As you're walking. Yeah, as you're walking, you just pick them and suck them. And it's beautiful nectar. So any bee that makes honey out of that nectar will be the sweetest honey. But I remember sucking honeysuckles. Yeah. Picking mulberries. You weren't so much in trouble for eating the mulberries, but they stain like hell. And there was no way you could climb up the wall without picking mulberries, without it getting all over you. Mm. So uh, mulberries and uh, honeysuckles. Mm. <laughs> and what about feel, sensations? I was a water baby. I loved the water. I used to suffer dreadful asthma when I was very young. It was advised that I get into swimming lessons to strengthen my lungs. That started in oh, different pools. The one I remember the most was at Bondi Baths, um, which is a big saltwater pool. Living in Sydney in summers and often parties were pool parties and you couldn't get me out of the pool. Once I jumped in that water, I just <laughs> loved it so much. I, I just would be the first one and the last one to leave and almost keep bombing and swimming and pretending I couldn't hear because I was splashing around <laughs> so much. I don't want to get out of the water. So the water... 
as I've got older, I still swim every day, as you know. Mm. Um, just the sensation of jumping in, then the sensation of jumping around it, and the sort of the bizarre, your gravity changes, you float differently, you can jump up and down, you can <laughs> smash yourself around and not get hurt, you can hold your breath, you can pretend you're a fish, you can imagine. I, I really, that, that I think is one of my favourite <laughs> sensations, um, is the water. Um one of my other sensations, though, uh, which also coincides with loving the water so much, is a few times, hardly ever happened when I was a kid because mum used to make sure she covered us in sun cream. But when I became a teenager and, and a bit older and didn't cover my son's self in sunscreen, sunburn. Oh, my God. Evil. Yeah. Bad sensation. <laughs> Bad oh. sensation. On the day you can feel it hurts and the next day it's like, oh, no. Uh, yeah. Sort of like laying yourself in yogurt and things that are meant to fix it and cool showers and just like stiff. So when I was a teenager too, there was that dreadful thing too. Here's another weird sense, a smell. Um, when people used to cover themselves in this coconut, coconut like, oil. Like, it brief. But, yeah, but it smelled like it smelled like a daiquiri. Like I go to a beach, I want to get in the water. I don't want to cook in the sand. Yeah. I want to get in the water. The sand's just that bit in between you know, me getting in and out of the water. I don't want to lie on that. I want to get in there. So obviously the other side of Sydney, the other type of life is nightlife, which... Yeah. Uh, there's well, a lot we haven't had a lot of that lately. No, we haven't. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we will. And when I think of you, I think of the two things. I think of either going swimming with you in the middle of a beautiful day <laughs> or being in some wild jazz bar or cabaret club at one in the morning. So maybe go through some of your favourite venues in Sydney to either perform in or to be a punter in and what you like about them. All right, so pubs that have music for free. Um, one of my favourite pubs is the East Sydney Hotel uh, in Woolloomooloo and on Sunday afternoons they used to have very trad jazz, generally the Jeff Ball Jazz Band, uh, Jeff Ball and the Fine Cuts. And that would be lovely. It was free and um, people would come in and out and, you know, it was one of those gigs too, especially in summer, it would just start roaming out into the streets, you know. Um, the Hollywood Hotel. Mm. Um, the last time I saw you was the end of the lockdown laws. Well, that was the end of the lockout laws. Lockout, yeah, sorry. Lockout to lockdown. What's so weird about Sydney? We've had lock-in, lock-out, and now lockdown. It gets really confusing. Which lock are we doing? <laughs> Who's got the key to the locks? For people who don't know Sydney, the lock-in was when uh, you could go to a bar, but you had to stay in there. You weren't allowed to go in and out. Yes, and the lockout basically was pretty much the same thing. After a certain time, no one was allowed to enter a certain venue. It's lucky in lockout, lockdown. Yeah. And everyone lucked out. Uh, well, I remember it was the end of the lockout and they had this huge party and it felt like it was New Year's Eve at the Hollywood Hotel. And I just remember yes. you standing on the table singing and everyone yes. going wild. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a bit of that going on. Say, I quest in vain, but you know, I'm just representing this world we live in today. That, that actually went for a few hours, but yeah, yeah, uh, it was really good. Okay, what other venues? The Shakespeare Hotel in Devonshire Street, Sorry Hills, which is and where you stayed with your father. Yeah, when I was a teenager, 
And all these years later, they started to do live music. And um, it was more like rock bands and um, blues outfits. So hopefully at the end of lockdown, they can do that again. When it comes to other venues, I think um, the top of my list would be these days is the Camelot Lounge. A Lazy Bones, also in Marrickville. Gasoline yeah. Pony in Marrickville. Uh, yeah, so that, that what has been interesting in the last few years is to see Marrickville take off with uh, live music. Oh, there's the Mosh Pit. Um, that's more your rock and roll. Because the good thing about you is you go from rock and roll to jazz to something more classical even or, you know, circusy. Mm. What I like about Sydney and maybe obviously what you do is that you can jump in and out of those different worlds quite easily. Oh, yeah. When it's open and happening, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and also there was the vanguard in our new town. Oh, yeah. Which then became, yeah, anyway, it's the vanguard again. They've, they've gone through a few interesting changes. The cabaret um, venue. Yeah, it's sort of more cabaret burlesque. And, of course, El Rocco. Yes. In the Cross, good old jazz bar, yeah. jam sessions, late night. Which originally what did open El Rocco, I think it started in the 50s or 60s. As a modern jazz club. Yeah. And then it went through several transformations. I think and then it was a Greek restaurant and this and that and this and that. You know that Frank Sinatra got smuggled in there. Frank Sinatra got smuggled into El by the Mafia <laughs> to perform. Oh, my God. I think I got smuggled out by a pizza <laughs> deliverer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good pizza place next door that everyone gets into. And yeah, exactly. The red piano called Ruby. <laughs> but, yeah, El Rocco, that's definitely one of my favourite places in Sydney too because... Um, well, Paul, who runs yeah. it, he's an absolute sweetheart and he runs it really smoothly and nicely and there's no there's no nonsense. You kind of feel like you're in a sitcom when you're there because Paul used to be Ooh. an actor so he does all these like kind of funny little understated asides all the time. It's like he's written yes. a script and we all come in and just start reading it for him. And all the, everyone <laughs> there is like jazz musicians, I don't know, poets, creative people. Uh, it's always yeah. colourful. <laughs> He's managed to have a place in King's Cross where you don't have to sign in or have ID or have a whole lot of bounces. It's very relaxed. It's very welcoming. It's very it's a, one of those. It's a very inclusive place. Mm. And yet, what I love about it is, even though it's incredibly inclusive, that's the spirit of it. I love it when you get there. It kind of feels a bit exclusive. <laughs> yeah, and there's it's a place that you could go. Like I've I've been there a few times where it's like, oh, I've got a couple of hours to kill because I've got this and I've got that. What do I do? And I'm like, oh, I'll go to El Rocco. And you go and yeah. chat with Paul and you might have a jam because there's a jam session happening or you sit down and play the piano for a while and, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he gets worried when the two of us turn up, though, because your tapping is very loud and my voice is very loud. It's like I do have neighbours. Don't do it late, you two. <laughs> <laughs> Krista Hughes' Perfect Sydney Day from morning to night through the senses. I get up in the morning. I go for a refreshing swim. It could be North Bondi. It's probably going to be Nelson because I want to walk down to the beach and back. I'm going to enjoy smelling the fragrance of the flowers, especially the jasmine, on my walk there and back. When I'm at the beach, I'm going to enjoy smelling the salt of the ocean. I'm going to like for a little bit the sand on my skin I like to imagine I'm breathing with the fish. Obviously, I'm not, but taking deep breaths and swimming along with the fish. Um, 
uh, Vakaji uh, swung with a, a stingray just above and imagine we're synchronized swimmers together then I eventually have to take a breath of fresh air and it's disappeared uh, then I get out and as much as I love the salt and the sand on my skin I have a fresh shower it's cold really nice and cold it's, it really refreshes my skin and then I walk back through the gardens and I enjoy the scent of the flowers again um, by the time I get home I'm almost hot again but that's all right I might look at the beautiful paintings and by the way I've got some beautiful paintings and pictures in my room of our local artist Carol Ruff who does beautiful um, oil and water paintings and Greg Wade who's a phenomenal photographer I'm very lucky I have wonderful artist friends and I get to look at their art um, and we'll say it's a Sunday so then in the afternoon I might get a bit restless and uh, decide to head to Woolloomooloo and I'll go to the East Sydney Hotel two blocks before I get there as I walk down the street I'll know the jazz band's on because I can hear it. I'll be able to hear that beautiful trumpet playing. The gentle drone of people in the background gets louder and louder. Then I'll get there. I'll be offered a drink. A schooner of Reshers, my favourite beer. An ice-cold schooner of Reshers. I'll drink one of them. God, how good it tastes. And then the band might ask me to sit in for a song. I'll inevitably sing a song like... Beer drinking woman and Skull get another schooner of rishes and, and gargle, gargle at the end of it. <laughs> exactly. And then I might enjoy wandering back up to the cross and having a slice of pizza at uh, El Rocco, or next door to El Rocco, and uh, then sitting at the bus stop and observing the, absurd, the absurdity of life and how lovely life is. Get home and smell the lovely salt air. I get to smell the lovely fresh air because I live by the sea and um, collapse into bed. A lovely sound I have is if I've got freshly clean sheets is that rustle of um, clean, crisp cotton in my ear. And then the last sound, I, I, I never hear it, but apparently I do is a <laughs> <laughs> Any last parting thoughts about what you're doing next? What I really hope does happen next is something that was meant to happen in late August um, and hopefully it does happen in late October. A um, showing of a creative development about Annette Kellerman. She used to do these amazing swims. She was an um, amazing diver and she was one of the first silent movie film stars and one of the first people on camera to appear in the nude. <laughs> And she used to do these amazing vaudeville shows underwater. And she used to travel with a tank. God knows how the technology worked then. It must have weighed a ton. But she'd have this underwater tank. She'd do these beautiful water ballets underneath. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be playing Annette Kellerman in a tribute to her. I hope Annette Kellerman Pool, which is in Marrickville, uh, at the end of October uh, with an accordion player. You know, the, the once lockdown, the restrictions get less and less. The um, last things that are allowed... Um, big noisy singers. <laughs> so hopefully by the end, end of October we can have big noisy singers. And tap dancers. Well, part of this show we, we do plan to have, because we're doing it by the pool, there's going to be synchronised swimmers. Ooh, nice. If you can tap dance on water, babe, you are <laughs> more than welcome. <laughs> I'll get a, um, a, a little, you know, like a kickboard. I can tap dance on a kickboard. <laughs> Well, they, they, I want them an extra break when I do costume changes, so I'll let them know. That you oh, on, the, on a diving board. On a diving board. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good. I mean. But, yeah, hopefully, and that's with Hilary Bell, who's a, a phenomenal playwright, 
and uh, Luke Styles has written the music. And once it's confirmed or not confirmed, oh, anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it's already been So, look, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And hopefully there's a loud Halo's gig late October too. But um, fingers crossed they happen. It would be nice also to go out with a song. What song of yours would be nice for people to listen to that for you think that reminds you of Sydney? Oh, there's a lovely song I record with Dad after you've gone. I mean, I used to sing that at Shakespeare Hotel when I was, you know, teenager. And all these years later, I record with Dad. And even now when I do gigs, I add it to my show. But it's after you've gone. And I think it just it's, it reminds me of the old Sydney after you've gone. And I really hope it comes back. I'm really not, don't want to sing that. It's like, well, that's it. It's over. It's after you've gone. The, the whole point of that song is, You'll resent this and you'll be back. So hopefully Sydney will be back the way it used to be. Now listen, honey, while I say How can you tell me that you're going away? Don't say that we're splitting apart Oh, please don't break my aching heart You know I loved you through for many years I loved you night and day How can you leave me? Can't you see my tears? So listen while I say After you've gone And let me cry After you've gone There's no denying feel blue, you feel sad, you'll miss the dearest pal that you ever had, there'll come a time, now baby don't forget it, there'll come a time when you will regret it, cause someday when you grow lonely, your heart will break like mine, and you'll watch me only after you've gone, after
Thanks for listening to episode four of Sense in the City Sydney with Krista Hughes. Visit senseinthe.city to read the show notes for more information on the people and places discussed. Find the recipe for chocolate roost by Krista's mother, Faye Hughes. Follow us on Instagram at senseinthecitysydney or Facebook at senseinthecityworld. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting the team. Links to Patreon and buy me a coffee can be found attached to this episode in most podcast apps. Sense in the City is produced by Ruby TV and Pilot Media.